Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired their personal trainer as a caterer. All right, folks, let's keep this line moving. You there with the tongs. Picking up one Dutch's potato at a time will not cut it at my catering table. Drop and give me 50. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Okay, this is what we call the wild mushroom and asparagus dip, dip, and press. Come on, let's get those plates above your heads. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. This episode of the Delvin Cox Experience is sponsored by, well, it's sponsored by my brother, Kelvin Cox. He sponsored the tier. So shout out to him. He's an awesome guy. He has no social media. He has nothing else. But shout out to my brother, Kelvin Cox. Peace out. Welcome to the experience. Welcome to the experience. Welcome to the Delvin Cox Experience, the podcast in which each week I'm on a one-man mission to United Coach Student University. I'm your host, Delvin Cox, and this week I have a special guest on the podcast with me today. Let them know who you are. My name is Sonara Tregarth. And you may know her from What Happens Next and a bunch of other things. (laughs) A bunch of other things, definitely. But yeah, mostly for harassing Jay Sandlin. So yeah. My claim books. You probably know her from that too. True, yeah. She writes books. 15 plus books and getting into comics now too. So that is awesome. Yeah. Before we get into that, as always, we start the podcast off with the five for five. Five questions, five answers to get the ball rolling. Okay. Nara, are you ready? I'm ready. Question number one What is the best album or song we've listened to in the past year? Best song the past year. Um, actually, it's best song, and it is the new one. It's the one that I was just listening to and posted on my other account uh, with by Jim, Jeremy Renner. That's been on my thing. Um, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, Jeremy Renner. I actually the, the actor. The actor. It actually Hawkeye. Hawkeye. My man Hawkeye. He's my number two, by the way. My number one is Doctor Strange. So, in case you didn't know. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have this discussion in a second. <laughs> we're gonna I can I see he's he's like he's already going. What you mean he got a yep? Heaven does uh, heaven don't have a name by Jeremy Renner okay. featuring Sam Felt. Yeah. No, I have to check that out now. I never uh, knew he made music. Uh, oh no, he's got a band. He plays drums. He sings. Question yeah. number two. Then leading to what you said, your top five Marvel guys. Top five MCU. Doctor Strange number one always. Number two is Hawkeye. Uh, number three would probably have to be Ant-Man because he makes me laugh a lot. <laughs> number four. Ooh, this is tough. Gosh, why you got to ask hard questions for? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, why you got to be so hard? Um, I know most people are like, well, it's got to be Steve or it's got to be Cat. You know, it's got to be Tony. <laughs> no, not really. Um. Number four is probably going to be, do I dare go there? Go there. Oh, I should just to be a brat. <laughs> Number four is Lewis. My man, Lewis, because I love him. Okay, um, I like that. I love Lewis. Lewis needs to do his recap, which rumor has it, it's going to be on the extended version of Endgame. Um, that would be awesome. That is what Kevin Feige had said in an interview. So I am hoping that that is true because God knows I need it. Um, and the fifth one is more than all things considered. I am so, so, so sorry for this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be yelled by everybody who knows me. Um, but yeah, it's going to have to be Mr. Dorito himself, and it will be Captain America. I like your choices, especially since you added Captain America in there. I'm oh, I love, I love, I love Cap. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Tony too, but yeah, Tony. Cap, Captain America's is America's ass. So. <laughs> yeah, that was the best. I I started laughing so hard when that when I saw that scene. I was just like. Finally, <laughs> finally, somebody acknowledges the fact that the ass. 
from the very first episode, from the very first movie with Captain America, I was just like, can we see that again? <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Dude, how did I you not know? After I watched that movie, and I, I thought, is this a thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it mm-hmm. really is a thing. <laughs> Ask any woman. It's a thing. It's been a thing. From the day I, when you saw him punching that back, I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, sunshine. We like that. Thank you. I, I had no clue. <laughs> it's, it's like when you see the Avengers movie and you see him, Hawkeye, and, and Black Widow walk to the uh, Quinjet. Yes. And it's like, and you see the backside, and it's like, score, all yes, three. I'm at Black Widow. Thank you. Oh no, I was looking. At, I was looking at all three of them, going, "Yes, we 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 like this. Yes, I would like it framed, sent to me. Thank you very much." That is, that was an awesome answer. That's question number two. <laughs> question so then, number three. Uh-huh. Definitely. This is gonna be a fun one too. Okay. What's the dumbest thing you did as a kid? Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay, dumbest Uh-oh. thing I've ever done as a kid. Oh, God, this is going to be... Mm, this is telling. Okay, dumbest thing I ever... Actually, it's not really dumb. It's kind of like cruel dumb, but it's... Yeah, it's dumb. Dumbest thing I ever did as a kid. I have two younger sisters. We're all three years, three months, and X amount of days apart. So my sister between me and my youngest sister has brown hair. Um, and we're both blondes. So I had her convinced until she was eight and a half, nine years old. She was adopted. <laughs> um, and my sister, my mom told her, she said, no, here's your birth certificate. And I looked at her over my mom's head and I said, it's fake. <laughs> <laughs> they have to put one that has your name on it when you're adopted. You get a new <laughs> one that has your new name on it. And oh man, I had her believe in it until she was like nine years old. That uh, is awesome. Yeah. yeah, that was the dumbest <laughs> thing I ever did. Um, we tried to kill each other for years until we were probably in high school. And we finally stopped trying to kill each other through wrestling moves. So yeah. So was it like spy versus spy? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Spy versus spy, which is funny because I think that's when we finally were told we could not bring that magazine in the house anymore <laughs> um and we would get banned from watching um wrestling for uh periods of weeks uh, which was really bad because i grew up we grew up in Fayetteville, north carolina and i had friends who would get tickets to go see um uh, the wwe and so I used to go and see the rock and roll express and dusty roads and Ooh. rick flair and all them so I was like front row and I actually met a lot of the wrestlers. So that is awesome. Oh yeah. So you, Magnum TA before you got hurt and all that. So yeah. So being told I couldn't watch or go see wrestling, I was like, yeah, that, that ain't happening. Yeah. No, I'll stop. Yeah, I'll stop wrestling her. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'm going <laughs> So figure out a way. Um, yeah. Definitely. Awesome. Question number four. Uh Oh, top <laughs> five. Favorite book? Yeah, you do realize that I have like ten thousand books on eBooks and then like in print format, I've got like four hundred. But you gotta have like five that you go that are your go to. <sighs> okay, every year I read Lord of the Rings every single year without fail. Um, so you can count That's that as one one set. Um, I read without fail the key by. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember his name now. Theodore. Oh, my brain is dead. Um, the key is based. Um, the key is actually. I can actually tell you about the story. The story is basically about. I actually had to read it in sixth grade. Oh my god, it was. It was sixth grade. Um. It actually, I actually have a physical copy of it, which is even funnier still. It's actually my original copy. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, by Theodore Taylor. Okay, um, I was just looking that up. <laughs> and it actually takes place during World War II, and it deals a lot with racism. And okay. the interesting part is that it 
deals with a Dutch family um, who are on the islands. And during the war, they're trying to escape on a ship. The ship gets sunk. And he, the son in question, gets blinded during this attack and is actually is basically rescued by an old black man slave and they're on a key um by themselves and timothy the slave teaches him how to teaches philip how to survive and when a hurricane comes timothy ends up dying and it's up to philip to survive on his own using the knowledge that timothy has given him um until he gets rescued um, sounds pretty he, cool it is a unique book and there is a follow-up book that comes up to it but the the key itself is a book i read every year um it is one that when my friends ask me is there any one book you recommend anybody from any age group um uh, to read that is the go-to book i recommend anybody because it will shame you in a way because things that you don't think of as being racist or sexist or any kind of thing will pop up in there and there are things that even now having read it since i don't know for god knows how many years now um still pop in i'm like oh my god i i never realized that that's a thing um and it is so it just tells you how much more aware you become as you read those things so yeah it's kind of a really good book um, second choice then third book okay. oh gosh that would have to be <laughs> okay Uh-oh. it's actually a series and i'm just gonna have to just like throw it out there um it is by mercedes lackey because she is one of the big reasons why i write fantasy um okay. it is called the elemental master series um her and Larry Dixon, who I cannot say enough about Larry Dixon to save my life right now. Um, I had the blessing to meet both of them um, back in 2002, 2003. Um, uh, and I cried my eyes out when I met him um, <laughs> because I was at actually a writer's conference and a friend of mine who's a published author dragged me up to meet them and sat me down and introduced me and she has been a, such a big inspiration to me her and larry both and come to find out larry and i actually went to we're going to go to the same high school and then he went to north carolina school of the arts that year so i missed him literally by months um wow <laughs> so it was really one of the things where meeting her and being able to talk to her that series the elemental uh, master series is huge because it deals so much with the power of nature and how we treat the universe and it's the idea of that we're actually truly masters of different things if we actually try to look into it um so if you believe in magic or if you believe in the idea of being stewards of the earth it actually plays a really big part of that and even if you live in a city you can actually still find your own nature it's just a matter of figuring out how and where and when that you go into it so it's a huge um, series, and I love it. Um, so yeah, it's one of my favorite favorite series so far from okay. from them. So um, fourth book, fourth book, fourth book, fourth book. Book number four. Oh, just shoot me now. <laughs> fourth book would be. Yep, I do. He's getting the fourth book. I do. It is The Way of the Shaman. It's actually by Michael Harner. It's been out for ages. It's actually about, it's the classic book that's about shamanism. And it is a book I have probably read from cover to cover to cover to cover ages and ages and ages of time. Um, and if you've ever really wanted to know the truth about shamanism and not a lot of the, as a friend of mine put it, woo woo, fuzzy, fuzzy bunny stuff, this is the book. Okay. Um, that to, to actually do it is based on anthropology, it is based on, um, a lot of research on actual tribes that practice shamanism still this day and age. So it's one of my favorites. 
That's cool. Fifth book is actually by John and Catelyn Matthews. Um, it is, they are, actually I have tons of their books. They are one of my favorite peoples in the whole universe. In fact, I just got a new deck by John Matthews called Camelot Oracle, which I'll be reviewing this shortly. Um, awesome. I can't wait because I love it. Um, I'm all things Arthur. King, anything King Arthur is huge to me. Um, in fact, I have a book coming out shortly dealing with uh, King Arthur. But they actually have a book called uh, King Arthur and the Mabinion, um, which deals with, it's a Welsh book that deals with different tales. And it talks about the sovereignty of King Arthur and what sovereignty actually is. And it is profound. Um, most people don't understand that um, when Arthur lost the whole thing with King Arthur and the, when you get into the whole idea of Lancelot and Guinevere and stuff like that, and Camelot died, everybody's like, well, it's because she cheated. Yeah and no. It's actually because King Arthur didn't follow the rules of sovereignty. So the loss isn't just her and Lance. It's also King Arthur, too. He also yeah. failed. And when you don't uphold the laws of sovereignty, which is given by a woman to a king, then you fail the goddess. And when you fail the goddess, then you lose out on what's on to happen next. So, yeah, it's a process. So, yeah, those are my five. Okay. That was awesome. I like the way you tell that you're a writer because you explained everything in great detail. Hey, I think it happens. That was <laughs> so, yeah, those are my five, my my yeah. big five. There's others that come and go as time goes on. So it's kind of like my top five for women in the MCU. They kind of flip and okay. flop. Question number five. Okay. The, the final question for the five, uh -oh. five okay? All right. It's going to be fun. Thanos comes to Earth with the Infinity Gauntlet. You can uh -huh. pick five superheroes from any genre you want to pick. Anybody you want to pick to take uh -huh. on Thanos. Who are you picking? Crap. Um, Invincible? Mark. Okay. He's, I got to have him. Adam Eve, because the two of them together are pretty much a team, and they would be... He would have no way of stopping either one of them. Um, Got to have Doctor Strange, because if we have the classic Doctor Strange, he's bigger than omega level and okay. that would be perfect um adam warlock okay and just because it would totally toss the world up into a crap storm of dislogic <laughs> oh god help me why am i going there because i love gail simone that's why i'm going there okay. i want left I, oh, she is. I love her to death. I love her posts. I want Plastic Man. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Because he's got the ability to stretch and move and do things that, and get things all manipulated in a way that would just toss everything into chaos. It'd be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like the choices. Awesome. Definitely. So let everybody know a little bit about yourself for those who don't know you. Um, okay. What do they not know about me? Besides awesome. the fact I write. Um, so. What uh, books you write that they may be aware of? So, um, I write in multiple genres. Uh, most people know me originally from writing in the romance field, um, specifically erotic romance uh, and into paranormal romance. So that's where most people are mo most aware of me. Um, recently, more people are learning more about me in, in the mystery field, as well as um, some people do know me from writing nonfiction stuff. So I've been writing professionally since 2003, um, which is when I had my first book published, which is Mark of the Blood, uh, which is a Celtic Druid paranormal series. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's fun. <laughs> Um, almost completed with that series that once that's done and done, it is um goodbye, brothers uh Morag, and hello to the next group of uh 
characters in my life. So, but yeah, I've grew up, um, born in Chicago, raised in North Carolina, um, next to Fort Bragg and moved all the way up and down the East coast. And now I'm currently in Florida. So yeah, go Disney people who who decide to basically make my life hell a good portion of the year. Uh, yeah. yeah, that is true. It is anybody who lives in Disney or lives around Disney or uh, Bush Gardens or Universal Studios, anybody who lives on what I call the I four corridor, or who who actually are here full time residents, all know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, like, there's no room to move. So yeah, but yes. without them, we wouldn't have half the stuff we do now. So that is also true. So what is it like, just in your mind, because you write so much stuff, the ideas. How do you? Were you just? Did you have a hyperactive mind when you as a kid? Did yeah. the ideas just pop up in your head and you just wanted to write? Put them so, down. Basically, I I can tell you how it was with my when my family describes it. Um, is that one? I never shut up, and two, I always told stories. So, um, finally, my parents out of um. <laughs> Uh, what they say is out of their own self-protection taught me how to write and read so i would shut up (laughs) so i was three when they first started teaching me to read and write um yeah so i always grew up telling stories um stories about anything i saw so when i would see that like something happening in front of me like a dog in a park or people doing something that just interested me i would create a storyline for it and um very first story i ever wrote that got published was in scholastic news um it was about a easter story about the chocolate ruins so scholastic news isn't yeah. that the, like the um the the like the mag the pamphlets they give you as a kid yeah yeah they used to always they also had a, a special little thing where they would put out together stories for they would run a contest every year and I won one for during their spring session for an Easter story. That is really cool. <laughs> I was I was in the third grade. So yeah, that was kind of crazy. That was right before I moved to North Carolina. So yeah. That was that uh, is really, really cool. That was also the year I dressed up as a Jawa. So <laughs> well, well, we gotta talk about that. You brought it up. Why did you dress up as a Jawa? <laughs> because my mom would not let me dress up as Princess Leia. Uh, <laughs> uh, Hold on. What, which land was you trying to go as? Which you were like, no, you can't dress as Leia. Oh, no, no. Um, so, you weren't trying to go as Slave Leia, right? <laughs> no, that, actually, Slave Leia was after that, um, way after that. So this was, yeah, the original original Princess Leia. She was like, you're not doing the, the, the whole bun thing. She was like, not happening. No. But you could be a Jawa. But you could be a Jawa. <laughs> So, uh, which was actually, believe it or not, it was really cool because my mom actually hand created the whole costume and sewed it, created it for no pattern whatsoever um, with the drop down mask, with the highlighted eyes, the whole nine yards. So that was, that's awesome. it was the most fabulous outfit. Um, all of my friends were all jealous. It was great. Uh, it's probably one of my best Halloween memories that I have. Um, so this was during the hype of Star Wars. This was, I'm assuming this was during the first one. This is during the first one. And it was probably like, I want to say it was the next year. So so it came out in 77. So yeah, it was like that. Because I was, see my sister, my youngest sister had just been born 77 so she's almost a year old she's just a year old so i was seven almost eight years old yeah so So do you remember seeing the movie do you remember yeah i remember seeing in line for two and a half hours to go see that movie that's just what i'm gonna ask like what was it like during that whole (sighs) type of star wars honestly it was funny i don't remember like a lot of the commercials or anything. What I do remember is that my dad was like, we have got to go see this movie. And I remember my mom going and looking at him and going, are you kidding me? Is this going to be anything like seeing Jaws? And my it's so funny because 
my parents wouldn't let us go see Jaws, not even at the drive. Like, she, like, no. Now, this is the same woman who, mind you, let us go to the drive-in to go see the good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> it's pretty hairy. <laughs> um, but what drew the line at Jaws. So I was like, no, seriously, really? You're going to draw the line at Jaws? But, yeah, after the first time I saw Jaws, I, I could understand this because me and Sharks, we kind of, we don't, we don't get along. No. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, I remember the hype. I remember standing in line. I remember us finally getting in to go see the movie. And I remember sitting at the screen, sitting there, and when they started it, and then the screen and the music and the sound. And I remember as soon as it started, my sister, um, who's three years younger, T, was all of a sudden, she was like, Oh my, and I remember just putting my hand over her mouth and I said, if you say one more word, I'm going to put you on mom's lap. You are not <laughs> going to sit next to me. Um, and I remember walking out of that movie theater that day and going, I'm going to build those. I'm going to make either going to make those kind of fighters those kind of designs and there was a part of me inside that goes i could make those stories um because part of me always wanted to build things to go out in outer space but the other part of me always knew that i was always destined to be a writer so it was yeah it was an interesting thing and i wrote to george lucas about um how to build a lightsaber and he responded and it was awesome. So that's cool. Yeah, that was the coolest thing ever. Uh, I remember being harassed for years over that by my family. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. technically, Star Wars played a big part in you becoming a writer because it inspired you. Star Wars, Star Trek. Yeah, my dad was a big Trek fan. So between Star Wars and Star Trek, I grew up with both. Um, so it's live long and prosper. I do live by the itic, uh, you know, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. It's Star Wars where it is all about living with the force. It's living with the idea that everything has energy. Everything has uh, a side uh, living in balance. So, yeah, it's been part of my life, both movies, both aspects of my life and a friend of mine once said you can't like one and the other you must have one over the other and i said dude let me explain this to you in terms you can understand i have been been to cons for star wars i've been cons to star trek i have met both sides i've met marina Sirtis. i've met harrison ford i've met mark hamill i have met uh, walter koenig i have met jonathan frakes uh michael dorn I said, so you can just take the whole, you have to have one or the other one, and you can shove it, because I have <laughs> both worlds. Yeah, um, so, yeah. It's great. I think, honestly, truthfully, the best thing about the fandoms is the fact that they are able to learn and adapt. And sometimes I know that slightly there have been issues, but overall, people who truly love them deeply and understand the core components of both of the fandoms and, and the core components of what makes the stories truly the worlds the way they are understand that it doesn't matter who the characters are as long as they are internally consistent to what the narratives will always be and that's really what matters so how you think that influences your writing today all the things you've taken in. Star it, Wars, Star Trek. Everything. It it honestly, truthfully, it it has been a huge factor. Um you can ask Jay what happens when I when I edit his books. It's the same thing. I jump on his case about consistency and having a continuity that's everything has to be in an order. And he hates it because I get on his case when I edit for other stuff he does. Um even he's like, well, magic's magic. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter. Magic yeah. has a logic balance and it has a consistency. So 
everything has a base. Everything has an order. Everything has a a logical consistency within itself. Um, when you write, there's no such thing as coincidence. We may call it a coincidence in the book, just like in real life, there are really coincidences. But for a reader, things happen for reasons. Even if that reason seems to be a coincidence, it never is a coincidence for the writer who write it that way. Um, there's always a logical purpose for it. And that's one thing that Star Wars and Star Trek brought to that for me, because everything that happened from the moment that Leia was captured through Obi-Wan, through Luke, through meeting Han, through that whole process of that first movie, there yes. is an eternal logic from step one through the end of that first movie. Um, so yeah, and it's, even in Star Trek, there's an internal logic of how they got to be at that point in time. Um, if anybody's ever read the original books before the whole retcon of First Contact, it's that kind of internal logic. Um, one of my favorite books um, from Star Trek is called Spock's World, which I cannot recommend, I don't care about the retcon in this regards. Um, if you get a chance to read that book, it talks about the history of Vulcan and where Romulans come from. And it goes in depth into the whole basis of the world, um, how Vulcan came to be part of everything and um, Serac and that whole aspect um, and who Spock's house really is. and. It is the most fascinating read. It's probably one book that I do go back to regularly because that writing is so deep, so fantastic. Diane Duane, um, as a writer, is one of my favorite people. She wrote. She writes a lot of the books about the Rihansu, which is the Romulans. Um, and huge shout out to her because she is one of my favorite people on Twitter too. Um, so. Um, she has influenced my writing huge for a lot of her writing from the series as well as that. So yeah, um, it's huge on my writing. I don't believe in the fact that every, every writer, every writer is influenced by things they've watched, read, seen. You take in little pieces. It's how you put those pieces together that make a big difference. Um, I'm lucky. Um, I have an almost photographic memory. So for me, it's, I have a literal way of being to recall things and start putting things in a centralized order and pulling it out of the file cabinets <laughs> and pulling them back in. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. It drives Jay nutty. So he'll be like, but I, I, I hit it this way. No, look, if you go back 17 pages in your book that I'm editing, you will see that you did it. Da, 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 da. And he'll be like, Oh, so you know you can't do that. <laughs> Fix it. Uh, <laughs> yep. Since you brought him up, got got to ask, how yeah. did you and Jay meet, and how did you get to editing his books? So it's Jay's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's Jay's fault. It is. It's all Jay's fault. Jay gets blamed for everything. Um, actually, what happened was I don't know how we started following each other, sort of, but he was doing a giveaway about a uh, four book it was actually neil uh gaiman's uh norse mythology and he was asking about a current book you were reading and how it affected you and and what kind of things it brought to you and i was reading benabel wen's um dow of craft which benabel wen is one of my favorite people who um deals with tarot and spiritual stuff especially since she's a Taoist practitioner and I started talking about it. He started asking more questions. And so we went back and forth. I ended up winning, um, which I love because we both are big, huge American Gods fans. So, <laughs> which is great. And he said, Hey, do you want to be on the podcast um, as a guest? And I was like, yeah, sure. We started talking and he's like, well, you write. And I said, yeah. And I, I let him know more about me and said, yeah. And I also edit professionally too on the side and um he's like well would you like to take a look at one of my things i said sure and the next thing i know 
he asked me if I would consider editing for him. And I said, sure, why not? I'm not working on anything new currently right now. And voila, I am a regular on the podcast and editing for him. So yeah, it's crazy. So, so since we brought it up, what's it like being on Jay's podcast? What happens next? Because it's a very interesting podcast <laughs> to listen to. Quite different from his podcast before. And I enjoy the heck out of it. So what is it like for you being on the show? It is literally like being on an episode of Who's Line. It is absolutely hysterically fun. Um, I'm lucky in a lot of ways because I actually get to see some of the um, background stuff when he decides that what he wants to do for the next kind of thing. So I get to look at the sheets of what kind of games he's going to plan for. Um, so I get to cheat first before everybody else, <laughs> um, which I don't really care if anybody else doesn't like it. So tough. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is, it is my, my privilege to be able to do that. Um, uh, and it's great. I mean, honestly, truthfully, I love the fact that, that creativity is such a big importance when you're a writer. A lot of times we write, we write, we write, we do, we do, we do, we promote, we promote, we promote. And you drain your creativity well, and you don't do enough to put back into that creativity well. And it's actually something that actually really happened to me um, when my mom passed away back in 2008. Um, I hadn't realized that I had from 2003 until my mom passed right after my mom passed away was almost a year after she passed away. I had a massive breakdown, Um, stopped writing for about three years, Um, found out there were a couple of other issues that had gone on in my life that basically had put me into a specialized mode where during the flight and fight response that you are hyper-focused. Well, that hyper-focus is only supposed to last during the flight and fight response. I never let it go. So I busted it Um, because you're not supposed to keep holding onto it for 20, 30 plus years. Um, whoops (laughs) sorry um so one of the things i did though is i also wrote 15 plus books in a period of five and a half years um and we're talking on average each book was at least thirty thousand words more Uh, my longest book was a hundred thousand words so doing all these books in a short period of time and not refilling my well on a regular basis um everybody talks a lot about self-care well back then not so much um and i am not a very good advocate for self-care on my own self i'm very big for others um my friends will tell you that i don't do well when it comes to that (laughs) um but i am learning so it is huge to do creative things for yourself and that's one of the things i love about the show because it forces me to goof off and play and playing is huge for writers because when you play you stimulate your creativity in different directions that you normally don't do when you write and it helps build back up what you've used um so when you get back and you're doing a scene that was giving you trouble when you goof off and listen to the podcast or if you play along with the podcast when you listen to it um you'll go back and look at that scene again and go, oh, I could just, and the next thing you know, you're off and running to the races. Um, there have been times that's been the, that we'll finish a podcast and I'll go back and, and start editing for him and be like, yeah, no, that ain't going to work. And make notes based on that because all of a sudden my brain's looking in a whole different direction than I was looking at prior to the edit. Um, before the podcast and even on my own personal work with the new book series I'm starting on um that's been the case and um new comic stuff I'm starting on um so yeah and Jay gets blamed for that too uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah well actually he only gets partial blame um full blame for getting into new mediums goes to um C Robert Cargill and Scott Derrickson so they kind of encouraged me to think about writing outside of my my normal stuff um and uh 
uh, Cargill was big about, hey, you know, try script writing, try something different that you don't normally do. And I found that I liked writing scripts. Um, and Scott Derrickson being the director of Doctor Strange, um, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, Sinister, which I love Sinister, um, was like, you know, and, you know, look at the way how comics are done. And sure enough, that got me into the comics, which when Jay and I started talking, Jay's like, yeah, you know, I'll teach you about that. And it's just so... I just recently submitted for an anthology. We'll find out if that goes through or not. Um, yeah, it's. So what is that like? Getting out of your wheelhouse. I think it's. I think it's actually cool. It's scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it is because writing prose, regular prose, for me has always been the norm, and I think that's the big thing that most people have to realize when you write. Right, like if you write. Um, for people who write comics all the time and have done nothing else, when they go to write regular book stuff, they kind of go, oh my God, how do I do this? Or what, what is this like? What, is, am I doing this right? And for me, it's just the opposite. For me, I can sit and put together a short story on the fly in a DM. Um, and it takes me like three minutes and I can put together about 500 words. No big deal. I don't think twice. It's just what I do. Because that's how my brain is wired to think. <laughs> you ask me to put together a script, and my brain goes, what? What, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean? <laughs> um, so it's been a serious transition form to know that it's interior and exterior, time of day, and get that concept. And that's been kind of the learning curve. Um, even though I've done that even though i do that in my prose but i do that with words there are set features you use specifically for script writing whether it be for comics or for film or tv so that was wow um <laughs> that scared the bejesus out of me the first time i tried that and i cried the first week so um, I believe the words I suck were um, the first six posts I did the first week. <laughs> um, I, I can laugh at it now. Um, but yeah, um, Cargill was like, of course you suck because you've never done it this way before. And now get yourself back in there and start writing again. And it was like, oh my God, you're going to really force me to go back. <laughs> but it was great. Cargill is probably one of the best out there on Twitter right now. Um, at if you write or need to be boosted to remember to write because you're going to slack off, um, following him on Twitter uh, at Massaworm, um, he will remind you: Hey, don't be afraid to try something different. Don't be afraid to write. Um, by the way, do you realize you have X amount of days, and in this amount of time, you could do two scripts by by New Year's? And it's like, God damn it. <laughs> so um yeah so but because of him i was able to finish up three books that i edited um re-edited for release um i finished up um a new story a uh, short story and was able to get these two submissions out so yeah um of course jay gets part of the credit for the to the two <laughs> comic submissions i did so yeah, he incurred on that one um, when I about um, chickened out on it. So. Right. I'll give him credit for that. So. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I got to give him credit somewhere in this, all this stuff. <laughs> he, is, uh, he is actually a good guy. I give him a hard time on it because I can um, and because I don't want him to get a swollen head. Uh, <laughs> but he is, he's actually grown a lot a lot of people don't realize with jay even though you hear him a lot on the podcast and you may see him on twitter goof off and whatever uh, he is super talented as a writer uh, i mean like no super talented uh, from where he originally was when i first started working with him to where he is now his talent has grown exponentially uh, 
there's going to come a time where you're going to see his name everywhere. Uh, whether it yeah. be in comics, whether it be in books, uh, on the big screen, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. So people just need to be aware that that's going to happen. And I keep telling him this, but I also tell him that he has to understand that there is a P word involved. It's called patience. And yeah. he has none. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I am his patience. So I toss it to him every time I put my hand up. You need to stop. You need to. He's like, but I'll be like old too. I'm older than you are. You need to knock it off. Um, so <laughs> get over it. But you've already gone through this and I don't want to wait. I don't care. You sound like you're three. Get over it. So <laughs> he's got mad skills. So definitely. Yeah. He and definitely does. So I'm, I'm proud of him. He may, he will listen to this and be like, you said you're proud of me. Now guess what this means? No, it doesn't mean anything. Get back to work. You owe me <laughs> two chapters this coming week. Whoop, whoop. Two chapters for me to edit and tell you that you have passive passive verbs you passive slut um <laughs> i i i snark really hard if anybody ends up um having me for an editor if um because that's one of the things i do offer editing services um i snark hard and one of the phrases i use is passive slut so um when you do passive a lot and i do a first run through and i say okay you need to go back and look at these things like if you use the word and too much Every and is a forfeit after a while, unless yeah. you really need to use it. Um, his first run through, he had like 17,000 ands <laughs> in a 400, 400 page document. And I said, So we're going to let you redo these. And if in the next two chapters, you don't get rid of over half of these ands, every and is going to be a forfeit. And I haven't told you what I'm going to collect. And he said, what do you mean? I said, oh, darling, I've seen pictures of what you, of, of all the comics you own. (laughs) 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 And he just went, I'll fix it right now. (laughs) So, yeah. So, yeah, I am, I am snarky when it comes to editing, but a lot of my friends who had me edit for them, um get used to it and they start laughing when they edit, when i edit because they know um when there's very little snark and there's compliments involved because i also believe in complimenting when you do something right so when they get the compliments and they're rare <laughs> they're like yes i've done it she said it was good um so um but yeah the then there's usually some really good start. Oh my God, it's a leap of logic. What will we do? Will we call Superman? Or will we go <laughs> back and figure out how to actually get there from here? Sunshine, <laughs> please go back and layer in what actually happened. Um, because the reader will not be able to follow you because we cannot see inside your head, which obviously is empty at this point. In time. Please go back and try again. <laughs> yeah, he's had that comment a few times. <laughs> he'll hate for me telling on him but it's every editor has to go back and have that i've had i've had editors for myself for my books have told me that great sonara where did this come from because this wasn't here like five pages ago and i'd be like oops (laughs) sorry (laughs) they're like if this is foreshadowing where was the foreshadow it was like oh Sorry, I gotta go back and foreshadow for you. So, but yeah, it's fun. We we have a good time with stuff like that. So it's gotten to the point now he'll just dump stuff into DM for me to look at. He goes, What do you think about this? No, this has got to be this, 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 and this, and this, this. But the rest of it looks good. Fine. He's like, then he sends it all up to me, uploads it, sends me a link, and says, I'm ready for this next two chapters to be edited. Do any of these chapters have the stuff that I just edited in DM? Well, yeah, of course. Dude, really? <laughs> All right, but it works. I mean, we we've got a system that works for both of us, but which is great because he's done so much skill. Um, and I have to say, it's one of the things that most writers need to know. And um, 
and I don't think most writers do know, is the fact that editors are there to make your voice better. So when they suggest changes, it's not to take away from you. It's actually to make you be the best you you can be. Because I've had I've had writers who refuse to change anything I've suggested. If I've suggested a word change because they've used the same word five times in the one paragraph, um, every paragraph, every sentence in the paragraph starts the exact same way. Subject, verb, object, subject, verb, object. He said, she, he said this, yeah. he did this. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> um, yeah. And when you tell them, hey, look, you need to mix this up a bit. You need to do this. How dare you, you know, come down on my voice. That's not voice. That's poor, that's poor writing mechanics. Yes. So um, editors are there to make you sound better, to make you a better writer. They're there to make your script, your, whether it be a comic script, whether it be a film script, whether it be your book better and make your voice actually shine through without it being overpowering for what your characters are doing. Um, and one of my favorite things that we have recently done is taking away his dialogue tags. Um, he said, she said, they moaned, groaned, whatever. Um, dialogue tags are used a lot. Um, and a lot of times they result in what I call talking head syndrome. Um, where it's, he said this. Or you get no dialogue tags at all, but you and it goes back and forth between two people, and you don't know who said what after a while. Yeah, and it's like, well, yeah, but they could have been doing something. I mean, are they sitting on a stream? They're just two heads sitting there. Yeah, no. Um, and that was that was the biggest thing that took him the longest to learn. And then when I actually showed him the difference between what he had originally, I rewrote that whole scene for him without dialogue tags with extra description and everything in it. And he went, Oh, and it's like, Mwah. I think <laughs> we have, I think it has actually gotten into his head. And since then it has been nonstop tremendous. And I think that's the point when most writers, when they get to the point where they realize dialogue tags do not necessarily have to be necessary. Um, they're okay every once in a while to use and things, but when you get to a point where you can convey that same he was angry with actions and make it an active he slant, you know the phone went went flinging through the air how dare you tell me what to do um and you can convey that properly in an active voice then you're actually bringing the reader straight into the storyline better than he was ang he said angrily yeah right okay <laughs> whatever <laughs> and i think that was probably the best um i think that was probably my proudest moment with him um because i didn't hear from him for like a good i don't know day <laughs> and then the next day i got this thing whole new chapter for you to edit and i was like went in there and sure enough no dialogue tags and i said oh my god i have a whole thing to actually edit a full chapter awesome went in and it was like he had turned a whole entire 180 into this brand new writer that i knew he could be and since then it's literally like seeing a star rising with every single thing that we've been doing um the hard part is going to be when we get to the point where <laughs> where i can teach him how to figure out what to cut <laughs> when we get to go to the to the let's kill your darling portion and we we learn how to <laughs> to cut out stuff um he's going to kill <laughs> and then i'm going to come right behind <laughs> you <laughs> be like, Save me. he's going to kill me uh, but yeah but once you learn this stuff, this is the big thing I find for most writers. Um, and then when you edit to learn to cut stuff, it's hard, but you can learn to maneuver that portion better um, because this is the hardest part to learn. Uh, 
it took me with the dialogue tags it took me a good three years to learn so yeah that was tough Ooh, that took me longer than it took him so <laughs> 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 yeah good it's all good fun good fun i think it's pretty much creativity wise it's showing on the show too now because now we have marshmallow mouth <laughs> yes there that was delightful hey i am off for having that game again yes me and crystal which i still think it's funny i don't know if he told you or crystal told you for the longest time people thought me and crystal were the same person oh, i didn't know that yeah i knew that you guys were different people yeah see i don't understand how anybody thought we were anything alike but yeah People thought we were the same person for the longest time. And I was like, Jay, there's no way Crystal and I are anything alike. Oh, but yeah. So finally, if we were on the same podcast, so we're like, look, we're two different people. Yay. <laughs> so, yeah, that was great. So the marshmallow win, we have decided, Crystal and I have decided that has to come back and we will both be on the podcast again, specifically yeah. so we can make sure that Jay gets to have more marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> we are so bad. Oh, we are that so evil. Awesome. We are so evil to him. So That is awesome. And you have been great, Sonara, man. Let them know where to find your stuff at. Let them know where to find the podcast at. Let them know everything about you so they can find you. So I am at Sonara.com online um, on Twitter at Sonara. Yeah, really. I actually have one of the oldest at Twitter names um since the beginning. So it's at Sonara, literally. Um that's awesome. You yeah, I'm also on the podcast. Uh we can find it on iTunes, uh Google Play, everywhere, <laughs> Stitcher. Um and that's Jay Sandlin's What Happens Next, where I am there regularly, literally regularly, um yeah. until further no- notice I'm told. Um so once he hears this, it might be the end of the line. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> um, he's actually me. I, 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 I just I tease him. I'm like, so I'm not coming back next week, right? He's like, you'll be back on next week. There goes that next week thing. Um, but yeah, uh, nice thing is, uh, you can also find me under my tarot name, um, as well, which is Al Xander, uh, where I actually do review for tarot and tarot reading and stuff as well. Well, don't worry, we're going to have you back on to talk specifically <laughs> about that at another time. Have to save something for the next time you come on. So, All right. So, yeah, we'll talk tarot and oracles and runes and all that fun stuff, because then we could talk about Loki. Yes. My, my other main MCU guy that I didn't mention. <laughs> <laughs> because he is closer to the spirit of chaos that I enjoy way too much. So, yeah. Awesome. That would be Jay in a, in a heartbeat. Jay, Luke, they're one in the same in many, many universes. Yes, I can see that. Except <laughs> Jay's shorter. Yes. <laughs> Let's see. Loki's like seven foot, according to mythological legend, MCU. He's six foot one, six foot two. And, Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and then Jay's not. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's the correct answer. He is not six foot two, indeed. No, no, because we all reside in Shortlandia when we get a chance to. So yes. Yes, that is yeah. correct. And I will have the hotel built in no time. I have made it my mission. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but it'll be good. It'll be fun to be back. Definitely, we'll get to have you will definitely be back. Definitely. As always, Delvin Cockney Experience, we are out. Peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Delvin Cockney Experience. If you'd like more content, you can go on patreon.com slash the Delvin Cockney Experience. There, you will find bonus podcasts and a lot more content. Also, shout out to Patreon producer, Ben Goodwin, a.k.a. UK Ghostwriter. If you want to check him out, go on Twitter at Ghostwriter underscore UK. Thank you. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. 
federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments, where bold moves require confident blueprints, where you can accelerate transformation through consistency, where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at saic.com slash cloud.